Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Although, despite the fact that this is a pretty family-friendly podcast, I can't imagine that any kids would be listening in. You are listening to the Royal Ramble, and I am your host, Blaine the Brain. I've decided to do things a little bit differently this week. Uh, You may notice that this episode will have a bit of a different format than most. As many of you have already seen, Pro Wrestling Illustrated just released their annual PWI 500, the top 500 wrestlers in their view that have led the charge in 2022 thus far. And I say in their view because let's face it, it is pro wrestling and there isn't a list out there that isn't anything more than just opinion based. And like most other years, this one wasn't without controversy as the marks came out from every corner to complain about it. So today, I'm going to provide a bit of an analysis of the top 10 ranked pro wrestlers according to PWI, and you can all judge for yourself whether or not they should be in that spot that they're in. Actually, before I get to the list, I wanted to address some key points that are important to me personally in identifying a wrestler whom I believe should be in the top 10. Firstly, I think you need to look like you can legitimately win a fight. This is why I will never choose someone like Orange Cassidy for my top 10 because it's hard to root for a guy who looks like any strong wind can knock him over. You also need the hype factor. This is the ability to sell tickets or attract attention which most people do with their words. You should be just as gifted on the microphone as you are in the ring and probably more so when you think about it considering how many great in-ring talents there are in today's business but you probably only need both of your hands to count the number of good talkers. The third criteria are the actual in-ring skills. Mike's skills will only get you so far, but eventually people will want to see what you can do in the ring. If you talk like MJF but wrestle like Omos, people will lose interest pretty quickly. After all, we are talking about wrestling fans here, and we know how short our attention spans are. The next thing is, you should be able to get over as both a babyface and as a heel. Part of the reason I disagree with Roman Reigns as number one, which I'll elaborate on a little bit later, is because he's really only ever been able to get over as a heel. As a babyface, this guy had total go-away heat. And the final criteria, in my opinion, are being able to make it to the top position of any company. This is in reference to not only drawing power, but staying power. I feel as if a lot of guys on the PWI list were really good and popular mid-card talents, but once they got to main event level, they seemed to buckle under the pressure and their run seemed forced. So with that said, let's take a look at the PWI list, and we're going to start with the number 10 ranked Jonathan Gresham. Look, whether you love him or you hate him, or whether you're indifferent, whether you know who he is or you don't, he is still one hell of a talent and certainly an argument can be made for him claiming a spot on any top 10 list, but if we're talking about a single year, that's where I have to call it into question. He went into 2022 with a lot of momentum. I think we can all agree on that at least. He was the last ROH champion and ended an era as ROH champion, and people were wondering what the future would hold for a talent like that and where he might end up. He did defend the title internationally at least in the first quarter of the year, so I'll at least give him that. But did he make that big of an impact? Honestly, I don't think he did. Unless you were a die-hard Gresham fan, you would have likely missed all of those matches and likely would never have even heard of him. But when competing in some of the better-known wrestling organizations in the States, he wasn't really presented as a top 10 wrestler should, in my opinion. 
He started out in Impact Wrestling and was having a pretty good run at first. He had a good match with Chris Sabin at Hard to Kill back in January, but then kind of disappeared off the map as he was dealing with injuries and left Impact for a time. He returned from injury and went to AEW, but barely ever saw the light of day on their flagship show Dynamite and was mostly hidden on YouTube and Rampage. They started this angle where he turned heel and aligned himself with Tully Blanchard, but it really went nowhere and then he lost the ROH title to Claudio Castagnoli shortly afterwards. Given all these facts, I don't think John Gresham had a particularly great year, and thus I don't think he should be in the top 10. Not in 2022 anyway. At number 9 we had Big E. Another guy that many have considered a sympathy vote for lack of a better term, and unfortunately I have to agree here. Even last year, despite winning the WWE title, he was presented as a joke, and I knew that he would never reach that next level and that his title reign wouldn't last as soon as they had him cash in the cowardly way on Bobby Lashley in 2021. When you present your babyface champion as a fluke, they will not get over in my opinion, and we're currently seeing evidence of that with Liv Morgan on SmackDown. And then they refused to put Big E over Roman Reigns at Survivor Series last year, and he was never presented as the guy in the company. Any feud he was involved in was never a priority. He was always the secondary champion. Fast forward to 2022. The guy held the title for literally one day. He never received his one-on-one -on -one rematch for it, and sunk right back down to mid-card level. Championship victories really mean nothing if you remain in the exact same position on the card that you had before winning it. If it doesn't elevate you, what's the point? But then he got injured a couple months later, missed WrestleMania, and hasn't returned since. All respect to Big E, but I can't justify putting a guy in the top 10 when he missed more than half the year, and his Q1 wasn't even memorable. At number 8, we had El Hijo del Bikingo, the AAA champion. Admittedly, I'm not too familiar with him, so I won't dwell too much on it. All I know is that he's been referred to as the future of Lucha Libre, and was endorsed by Rey Mysterio, so that alone might have secured him a spot in the top 10. Were there others who were more deserving? I'm sure we'll all have our own opinions on that. Brian Danielson came in at number 7. While I agree that he should most definitely be on this list, I think many would argue that his rank should be a little higher. While he didn't hold any championship gold this year, though that may change as early as this week, he brought out the best in everyone he worked with and helped elevate talent, which is something that not a lot of people are willing to do. He had three incredible matches with Hangman Page in the last year, and almost legitimized Hangman's whole title reign. He also helped form one of the top factions in all of pro wrestling currently, the Blackpool Combat Club. He had two really good matches recently with Chris Jericho, he had a great match with Jon Moxley at Revolution, and a couple of great matches with Daniel Garcia, basically putting Garcia on the map. Despite how many losses he may take, he still holds a top position in the entire industry, and he's been able to get over as both a babyface and a heel, and make such a smooth transition between them this year. Honestly, if he wins the world title this week, I think this guy should be number one or number two this year. The number 6 spot went to Cody Rhodes, and I know a lot of people are arguing this, but he's had quite the comeback story this year. I think he left AEW at the right time, as fans were just tired of him and were hating on him so much. But then he comes to WWE as a mystery opponent for Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, and it was as if nothing happened. 
His previous WWE run at Stardust was almost completely erased in that one WrestleMania performance, and I'd say he finally had his WrestleMania moment after 15 years. Sure, he might have mostly faced the same guy over and over again, but that was WWE's MO at the time. And all three of those matches were fantastic, so what is there to complain about? He also wrestled the last match under a serious injury, and it was inside Hell in a Cell. I don't care who you are, that is toughness, and whether you want to believe whether he was injured or not, we all saw it. And I'd say seeing was believing in that case. And now when he comes back, he will be a bigger star than he ever was, and already has a built-in storyline to challenge Roman Reigns and winning the WWE Championship, something his father Dusty never did. And if Cody ends up becoming a bigger star than his father, which is an almost impossible accomplishment, that alone would put him not just in the top 10, but probably in the top 5. Speaking of top 5, the number 5 spot went to Bobby Lashley this year. I don't know if there are too many people arguing that one. I'm kind of indifferent myself. He did win the WWE title this year, and from Brock Lesnar, which is not a lot of people can say. He also never officially lost the title. He had some pretty bad matches with Omos, but who hasn't? He did end up giving Omos his first pinfall loss in WWE, and this was still under the Vince McMahon era. So I think if Vince's has enough confidence in you to not only beat Brock Lesnar, but also topple a giant, then yeah, I'd say you've made it. And just hearing the fan reactions too, and they love this guy. Maybe he doesn't get as strong a reaction as others, but he's been both a heel and a babyface this year, and has gotten over as both. And he's had some really good matches lately against the likes of Ciampa and AJ Styles, and probably next week versus Seth Rollins as well, as the current reigning US champion. He's basically held a title for most of this year thus far, so I think he belongs where he is, give or take a rank or two. Hangman Adam Page came in at number 4, and here's where I think things may get a little controversial. I'm not saying that Hangman doesn't deserve to be in the top 10, but maybe not ranked as high. I think there were two or three others that aren't even on this list and may have had a better year than he did, and some that were ranked lower than him as well. He did have some really good matches with guys like Brian Danielson and Adam Cole, but in my opinion, his title reign was very underwhelming and forgettable. Even as champion, he was never presented as the top guy in the company, which I feel should be a requirement of someone in such a prominent position. He's also been messing around with those Dark Order jobbers for far too long, and I think he's well above that, or at least he should be. And now that he's no longer champion, I don't think anyone is even mentioning him in any world title conversation anymore. He has no staying power, which is a major problem. So again, he's definitely deserving to be on this list, but probably not so high. CM Punk was ranked number 3 on the list, and despite having such a high position, I still think an argument could be made for him as 1 or 2. Regardless of how you feel about him personally, he is without question the most talked about person in the entire industry, which is no easy feat. There is talk about him never returning to AEW, but even in that case, I think he still made more of an impact this year than half of the people on this list. In the last 6 months, he had a great feud with MJF, he's avenged every one of his singles losses in the company, cut some amazing promos, and is now a two-time world champion. I'd say that definitely puts him at or near the top of any list. The number two position went to Kazushika Okada this year. 
He's had some killer years previously and is probably the most recognizable talent in all of Japan, but is that enough to earn him the second highest position in this ranking system? He did win the G1 Climax this year and also competed in some high-profile matches in AEW, but he also lost the IWGP Heavyweight title at the start of the year to Jay White, who is noticeably absent from this list. Personally, I do think Okada should be on this list as a representative of New Japan Pro Wrestling, but I'm not so sure he should be ranked number two, as I think there were a few others who had better years than he did. And then of course, the number one ranked position went to the tribal chief himself, Roman Reigns, much to the surprise of no one. I'm sure many will still argue, and most have, but let's face the facts here. Whether you like him or not, he is without question the most mainstream and recognizable talent on the entire list. However, we're talking about pro wrestling here, and part of the reason I feel that he does not deserve the number one spot is because he is very one-dimensional. It's easy to keep the top position in a company that endlessly pushes you. Part of me wonders if he would be over anywhere else. He's already proven that he's unable to get over as a babyface, so this ranking is definitely controversial. If he holds the championship for another year, he'll probably end up number one for next year's PWI 500 as well, so prepare yourselves for that. But I think there are a lot of people who did not make the top 10 that have had a stronger year than some of the picks on this list, including Jay White, John Moxley, Seth Rollins, Edge, and Josh Alexander. But of course, that is my opinion, and this is not my list. I hope you've all enjoyed this episode and my analysis of the PWI Top 10. Next week, I may have another guest co-host, so stay tuned. But for now, I will leave you, as always, with an A-B-C-Y-A.